On this episode of The Upside with Callie and Jeff, we talk to my friend, Laura Lee Bryant, who is a holistic chef, a certified holistic chef. She was someone that I was a huge fan of on Instagram. Then we met in person and became real life friends. And now she is a good friend of me and a good friend of Jeff's. And we adore her. We interviewed her and talked to her about how the heck she went from working in the legal field to becoming a chef. We talk about her struggles with disordered eating and Jeff picks two recipes out of her new cookbook, Simply Laura Lee, for dramatic cookbook readings. The upside means living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. This is a bonus episode of The Upside. Now, if you're one of our Horde members, you get this episode early and ad-free. And if you want to become a Horde member, text the word Horde, H-O-R-D-E, to 800-434-5454. We are in Nashville, and we are uh, at Laura Lee's house. And it, I would like to know how it smells so delightful in <laughs> here. What is the candle or the air freshener or what? Because it, it smells as good in here as it does at the Westin Hotel we're staying in. Uh, I think it's a combination of things. Thank you. Um, I do have a Draper James candle that somebody no. gave me. That's going. It's like wisteria, I think, is the smell. And then um, I also tested a carrot cake. Okay. So, so the wafting of the carrot cake and the and the Draper James candle. I haven't gotten close <laughs> enough, but your cat, what's your cat's name? Iron Man. Iron Man looks as though she smells like lavender. <laughs> It's a beautiful world that Laura Lee lives in, and it smells just as delicious. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Oh, my gosh. This has been a long time coming. I'm so excited. This really has. Laura Lee and I met online because I was obsessed with her, and um, we then got to meet in person on that. Ch Everybody calls it the chicken tour. You know, because exactly. it really was. We went to Vital Farms and we got to see behind the scenes of their farms and we got to hold the chickens, literally, which we all just were dying over. And that's how we met. And then we connected and then we stayed friends. And I am so fascinated by Laura Lee. I'm fascinated by her Instagram. I'm fascinated by her story because it's so real. And so we've been talking about before we turned the... um the mic's on about authenticity. It's so authentic and so just true. It just, I think it ring, your story rings true with everyone in a different way. You make your living now as a chef and a cookbook author, but that wasn't what you wanted to do growing up, right? No, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. So, like that was my whole, whole plan. So how do you make that shift from law to cooking? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was a, a few big moments, but mostly a lot of small moments. Honestly, I graduated from Virginia thinking that that was the deal. I was going to uh, get a paralegal job at a big corporate firm and then apply to law schools while I was there. And, and that was like the glitzy goal. Of yeah. Like, I will have made it. If that's totally. the path that I go down. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, I think it's a combination of self-induced pressure and then some maybe a little bit of 
pressure from my, from my parents just to be independent as a woman. And even though it wasn't that long ago, it was 2008, the idea of being an entrepreneur really was not in the lexicon as much. I mean, I didn't hear that as an option. So to be a woman, to make a living for yourself in, especially in New York city, there weren't that many, it didn't seem like there were that many options. And I don't think I, was it like the time? Cause I don't feel, I have super supportive parents that I love. And I never even considered that as an option at all. Like not even, it just, was it not a thing in 2008 when we were graduating college or people weren't talking about it or it was just the worlds that we were in to have our own business. Yeah. I don't think I heard it anywhere. I don't know. I mean, I felt like my, the people I knew in the city fell into either law slash finance or some kind of like maybe working for an auction house or in a, um, for a magazine or, but nothing. So there were some more artsy jobs, but nothing that was just free solo. I mean, freelance. I feel like the question you're asking yourself at, you know, when we were that age, like right at fresh out of college is where would I fit in? And you're trying yeah. to drop yourself in the middle of a world that's already created and just saying, okay, well, I'm going to try to find my way and try to plot myself into something that maybe I would like, maybe that's law for me. It was like totally business. Um, when, when did you decide growing up? Do you remember do you, what, like when you decided on law? Well, I'd always been a good writer and okay. I loved to read. And somehow that correlation was like there with me with being a lawyer. And then when I was in high school, we had mock trial. I don't know. Yeah. What yeah. You so I was president of mock trial and <laughs> I know I'm such a nerd. I am such a nerd. I, I really I am. It. Oh, and I loved it. But of course you're litigating these like, you know, murder cases or whatever. It's fascinating. And that has absolutely nothing to do with 99% of law that's practice, but, but it just seemed like a good fit. And then at Virginia, they had a great English major program. And I think so much of it is just these, it wasn't that well thought out. It was more, um, I think where I received validation, you know, yeah. and, uh, but I didn't receive validation as a paralegal. I was bad at it. I was really bad as a paralegal. And I did that for two years. And then I sort of laterally moved into doing some compliance that I was reverse I commuting I to a hedge. Yeah. I don't even yeah. know what a paralegal is. I don't know. Does it have, like, could you <laughs> use your writing and stuff She's like that? Like, Were you, I, I don't know. know. It's, like, it's no, terrible. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a lot of, it was just document organization and, you know, coffee and that kind of thing, but it wasn't using my skill set. But what was hard about it wasn't the work itself. It was that, it was that, what you're talking about, Callie, that sense of being a square peg in a round hole. You know, I just felt super misaligned. Um, and I, and I knew that pretty early on. And that was the part that was just like really unsettling for me. I just, I knew I couldn't go forward with it, but I, at that point I had no idea what else I was going to do. When you're at that point, are you thinking, wow, I don't fit here and looking for something else? Or was that kind of underlying stress manifesting itself without you even realizing it? Yeah, definitely the latter for sure. I, that was when I really started to food restrict. And I listened to your podcast on disordered eating. And I actually just wrote a bunch of stuff about disordered eating uh, for a friend that's going to be coming out. And reliving some of that was pretty poignant because for me, it was never about my body. It was about control. And it started Mm -hmm. as, as soon as I realized I didn't want to go forward with what I'd planned. I just needed something that I could 
get my hands on and I could create an outcome. And, um, that's really what I spent the next four years doing. I mean, just doing my day job, uh, but then finding through food in particular and exercise, something that I could, that I had a handle on. So you went, you moved to, you went to college in Virginia, moved to New York and for four years lived there and struggled with, with that, with the stress of the crappy job, the question, yeah. the unknown future. Yep. And did you know at the time about the, that you were struggling with, with disordered eating or an eating disorder? Was it a full blown eating disorder or? No, no. And that's, what's hard is I think that's, I think why disordered eating, it's important to bring it to light because it, what my experience didn't fall into a traditional category and it makes it a lot easier to get away with it. And it right. makes it a lot right. harder for friends and family to pick up on something because you don't go long stretches of time without eating or whatever the symptom may be that is, you know, what you think of with traditional eating disorders. But I'd also battled with anxiety a lot. I've been a pretty anxious person my whole life. And I knew that I had that. I experienced some things in college, some like episodes of taking myself to the hospital, thinking I was having a heart attack, um, panic attacks, yep. heart palpitations. Mm -hmm. I know you have some experience with that as well. So it was... I definitely knew that those were somehow coming together in this behavior, but it was not conscious. I didn't so want to speak it. Was there a switch that flipped while you were in New York where you're like, I'm changing? Actually, before you answer that. So when you were dealing with the disordered eating, you had no idea, right? It was just you, quote, being healthy. Right, exactly. Okay. So was there a switch that flipped while you were in New York where you completely changed paths? Like, is there a moment you can remember where you said, I'm going to be done with law and I'm going to do something different? That's such a good question. It feels like a switch flipped. It, it definitely wasn't that quick, but it, it feels like it looking back and perhaps maybe mentally it was. I got to a point with my second job where I was so unhappy. I was having a kind of like a mean girls experience, which mm -hmm. I hadn't had up until that time. And I went in every day with butterflies, just it, it, I was just, utterly, it's the worst. Yeah. They just, they were not particularly nice to me. And, uh, that was, that was really rough, but that was the catalyst. I remember there was a point where I was like, this can't be whatever else I do can't be as bad as how I'm feeling now with the education I have, what I know I'm capable of and what I'm doing. And I had started to cook. I had stopped going out as much and I had started to spend weekends instead going to the farmer's markets and cooking. And I would take pictures of recipes and cookbooks. And that was really definitely helping my anxiety. I noticed a correlation with my mental health with cooking for sure. And then uh, one day I put in a Google search for healthy cooking schools. And there's one in Chelsea, which is, you know, 20 minute walk from my apartment. So when I went there, I would say I walked in and I just knew I was like, these are my people. This is yeah. where I need to be. Yeah. And, and uh, then I went back maybe a month or so later and they were like, we've been waiting for you. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you're like, you're my people. Yeah, it was. So I knew I wanted to go there. And then the rest of it just kind of, I think once I made that mental decision, the rest of it happened pretty serendipitously after that. Did you have a support system when you were making all of these life changes or were people in your life kind of like, what are you doing? Like law is the thing. Like, what do you, wait, what? Like, was everyone supportive of your journey or were you kind of having, did you find yourself having to like talk the people and uh, 
in your life into kind of your new journey. Cause yeah. and I'm, I'm asking this because I feel like I have been in a really terrible headspace, but not that many people knew because unless you're talking about it all the time. And a lot of times you don't even identify how bad it, bad it is. Um, you don't know how to talk about it with other people. And then you switch your life and people are all of a sudden sometimes like, wait, what's going on? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's totally, yeah. It was totally like that. I and mean, people didn't know. I mean, we were all just like ducks paddling all of us, you know, at, at our age at that time. Yeah. So no one was really paying attention to what I was doing. Maybe my closest friend had an idea that I was in some pain, but parents, I, I, you know, I tuned them out a little bit. I didn't share a lot with them and they wouldn't have even known how to just articulate or wrap their heads around the questions that they really, that I needed to hear at that time. Yeah. So I was, I was definitely on my own a little bit, even though they love me and are so supportive of me just like as a human. But uh, when I told them I wanted to go to culinary school at this like weird natural foods place, I mean, they didn't get it, you know, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, but I definitely felt like it was an internal decision and just kind of had to go with that. They're probably like, it was, it's a phase. She'll grow out of it. And every year that goes by in in every new cookbook that comes out, they're like, huh, this is a a long phase. (laughs) Another cookbook, huh? Okay. So you're not going back to law. Right. You're not satisfied yet. Uh, Sometimes I think they still think that, but uh, they're, they're getting it. My mom was actually she retired about two years ago, but she ended up being the head of the middle of my middle schools, all girls middle school. And I think that experience opened her eyes a lot to just the way the world is changing and her ability yeah. to communicate with me. But, um, well, and especially cause like girls, I can't even say women, but girls at that age, that is a so specific, like such a specific mindset that you're in when you're that age right. that I think probably all of us could learn a thing or two by spending a couple of years with 14 year old girls. Oh, 1000%. God, one of, one of the things I had to do for this series was I had to write a letter to my younger self and this was to my like 22 year old self. But I thought about that. What a cool thing that would be. What I would say to that age, you know, 14 or 15, when you just start, you're starting to feel some of the pressures of the world and um, what would the, you say? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I, I would want to put some thought into it, honestly, because I think I don't want to just tell her all the things to expect and how to not make mistakes because mm-hmm. you need to do that. So I think some of it is just kind of the overarching like just relax, like the ability to just let go a little bit and to not need to have it all figured out as opposed to here's what to avoid. Yeah. You know, I think we don't think when we're in that space about how lucky a lot of us are to have crutches there, like our parents or families or even school, you know, like having people protecting you. I don't think I realized in that moment really how protected we are in a way that we can make mistakes and experience things. And it's not the end of the world, but it definitely feels like it when you're 14. If I was writing a letter to 14 year old you, I would tell her to eat all the gluten. (laughs) All the, all the processed sugar, all that stuff, get it all in now because in a decade, that, you got nothing. Yeah. That won't even be in your house. Eat the white bread today. Right, right. Honey, Just, oh, good. but I did. <laughs> I did. What did you, um, write for your 20 something self? 
I did say let go, basically chill out. That was definitely some of it. Uh, another part of it, it, that part was pretty short, but another sentence or two was basically this idea that what you think of as um, your accomplishments or this idea of your self-worth being in any way related to your accomplishments is just not true. And it's really harmful. You don't have to do anything, right? Like there's no doing involved with being worthy and being enough. The only doing is the work to get there. If you don't love yourself. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. I think that's the most valuable thing in my life is self-worth. It's the thing I've had to work the hardest at for sure. Our conversation will continue in just a minute, but first let's say thank you to the sponsors for this episode of The Upside. Everybody is playing catch up now with their New Year's resolutions, right? They didn't all happen on January 1st the way you thought they would. So you're hitting the restart button. Maybe, maybe it would be just a little bit helpful and encouraging if your workout gear was super, super comfortable. So for that reason, I'd like to suggest Bombas socks. They're lightweight. It's a polyclotin blend. That means no matter how hard you're working, your feet are going to stay cool, dry, and comfortable, never sweaty. And they provide support in places on your foot that you didn't even know you needed support, like your arches. Each sock has a built-in special arch support system that's supportive, but not too tight. Go to bombas.com, B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash upside. Get 20% off your order of Bombas socks. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash upside for 20% off your Bombas purchase today. If you are feeling like you want to be less stressed, get more sleep and have more energy, which let's face it, is everyone ever, then maybe CBD is for you. Just know when you're looking at CBD that not all CBD is created equal. Hemp Fusion takes the CBD plus omegas plus terpenes plus other natural ingredients to help you feel 100%. And they do this because that's how CBD works best for your body when it's combined with the other nutrients. They are available both online and at natural products retailers near you, and they can be shipped to anywhere in the U.S. Use promo code UPSIDE for 20% off your first order plus free shipping at HempFusion.com. That's promo code UPSIDE. Get HempFusion shipped anywhere in the U.S. by using code Upside at hempfusion.com. When it comes to building a better mattress, Brooklyn Bedding literally owns it. Every sleep solution is American-made in their very own state-of-the-art factory in Phoenix, Arizona, where they custom craft a mattress just for you. Two brothers, John and Rob Merwin, started 25 years ago as a master craftsman of mattresses, learning everything there is to know about building a quality sleep solution. Now, we've been sleeping on the Elite Spartan by Brooklyn Bedding, featuring individually encased coils and proprietary comfort foams with a smart fabric cover. Now, what makes the Spartan so advanced? It absorbs our body heat and transforms it into far infrared rays of energy. They get emitted back to us for a more restorative sleep. The Spartan also has Titan Cool, which responds to individual body temperature to give us the perfect sleep environment. I don't totally understand the science behind it, but I do know that some of the best sleep I have had has been on this brand new Spartan by Brooklyn Bedding. If you're looking for the best sleep ever at factory direct prices, go to brooklynbedding.com. Mattresses start at just $499. You'll save $25 off every order with promo code UPSIDE25. 
That's brooklynbedding.com. American-owned and American-made. They own the sleep solution because they own the factory. Just a reminder, commercial-free episodes are available to our Horde members. If you want to join, text the word Horde, H-O-R-D-E, to 800-434-5454. And now here's more with Laura Lee. What lesson do you think you learned when you didn't know yourself, like between leaving high school and finding that culinary school, mm. you know, Mecca, the, yeah, of, exactly. the, the room full the of, oasis, yeah, right? the room full of angels that saved you. <laughs> uh, My people. If, if you are a person who believes that everything is a lesson and every part of your journey is important, what did you learn during the crappy parts that you, that stick with you post crappy parts? One thing that really sticks out to me is I was not a particularly kind person during that time in my life. I had this, and I think part of that was I was not someone who believed that we can be happy, should be happy, this idea that life has to be hard. And I think it made me just a hard person. I, I was, I was, I sort of had like what I would call like an acid tongue at that time. Um, and that just makes things so much harder for everyone. So I think I would try to, um, I would ask myself to see people just as, you know, really just the basics, you know, just to treat people a little bit better, but in large part, because it's a two way street, you know, I mean, I think what you get out of that is just as beneficial as, as what they're going to get out of it. Um, so I, that's one thing I have some regrets for how I spoke to people, some of my closest friends, because I was in, I was in pain and I didn't know what I wanted. And, um, and then I think so much of it is just to remember how long life is. I, I was on a street corner yes. at 27 years old thinking I can't possibly begin again. And now at 34, that sounds so young to me. Yeah. And, and so I think just to remember, there really is no, there's no timeline for creating the life that you want. You we, know? we just, we talked about that on a recent episode of the show. And one of the messages that I got, I don't know if she sent it to both of us, Callie, but was from a woman whose, whose husband at, at 32 or 34 said, I want to go to medical school. Like I want to do, I want to be a doctor. I want to do this. And so they figured out a strategy to save enough money and he went, and this was a decade ago, and now he's been a doctor for four years and he's 42 or 44 years old. And it doesn't matter, like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, he's happy and he's still got, he's not even at the halfway point of his life, There's you know? There's no totally. timeline on dreams and there's no law that you can't change your dream. And there's this amazing article that has since been That's, taken you down. You gotta say that again. That's important. Mm -hmm. right what, I don't yeah. even know what there's, I said. There's no law that says you can't change your dream. Uh -huh. It's, I had this light bulb moment and this article is incredible and it's since been taken down. I don't know why, but the title of it was I quit my dream and I do it again. Ooh, and I love which that. I thought it was amazing because we all had these dreams and mine was to work in music business. And I read that when I was really struggling to work in music, feeling like, am I peaking right now? Like, why am I, you know, 30 and feeling like 
this doesn't get any better for me. And, um, I read that article and it spoke to me so deeply. And it was about this woman who her entire life, she wanted to be a Broadway star. That was her whole life in high school, in college. And, um, you know, it was, her life was that, and she got there and she hated it. She was like, I was making no money. The hours were terrible. I didn't like the people I was working with. It was awful. And she quit to be a writer. And that's what she became. And that's what she found love doing. And I think we get so caught up in, well, I said I was going to do this, or I, I went to school for this, or my family wants me to do this, or people I went to college with expect me to do this. And, um, you know, like that doesn't, so what, you know? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't serve anyone, you know, I mean, being sticking to something that Cause at least kind of what I said earlier, I was bad at, and I'd been a great student my whole life. I'd been good at everything that I, I'd done. And I was horrible at this job and then horrible at the next job. And whether it, regardless of skill set, it was mostly because I just didn't want to be there. And so yeah. it's not, it's not helping you. It's not helping the people who love you. It's not, you know, making an impact and the world. It's just, it's a lose, lose to stay in that mindset and to play small. Well, and I always think about when you're sitting on your deathbed, are you going to be like, wow, I'm so glad that I had a job I was miserable in for 50 years of my life. Right. No, no one. You're absolutely not. And the, if you're thinking that like changing everything up is a selfish decision, like if you're like, oh, I'm going to let my parents down or I'm going to let my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife, my whoever, down. my kids yeah. down, whoever, you also have to consider if you turn your life in a di different direction, who are you going to impact, right? So yeah. who are you going to have a positive? So Laura Lee, for you, it could be somebody who, you know, eats differently now because of your cookbooks and how easy you make it to eat healthy. That could be one, but it could also be uh, a, somebody who's younger than you, who's like, you know what, who maybe is hearing this going, I don't have to go to law school, go to medical school, go to business school if my heart is really more creative and they could change their whole direction, which if you stuck with the law stuff, you wouldn't have that impact. So there is, it's not a self, I don't think it's a selfish decision for you to chase a dream like that. I think that's so true. Absolutely. And I also think it's good to just note that that doesn't, it doesn't have to be a fa fast transition at all. I get a lot of questions about the idea of pursuing your passion and, um, what that needs to look like, what you need to do. It can be so gradual. It can, I mean, it's a marathon, not a sprint for some people. It's a sprint. And some people I think do better just making a huge life change and doing everything overnight. I mean, I see this with how people approach food changes. Some people are good at just, it, it's, it makes sense for them and their personality to just cut it out cold turkey. Some people need it to be gradual and they need to create a routine. So I don't think anyone needs to feel, I mean, that's the whole point of a side hustle. It's like, you know, I, I mean, you can chip away at it so slowly and feel really comfortable about it before you make any major decisions. I make food changes the way people quit smoking. Like, <laughs> like this week, I'm only going to eat a dozen wings. Next week, I'm only going to eat 11, 10, 9, 
Like I can't stand the people who are, who, who are like, I'm going to be different. And then they do something like whole 30 and then never eat gluten again, ever. They right. do the 30 days. Like cl- me. Cleanse their whole life and come out on the other side of it. They're yes. like, yeah, I just don't eat gluten. I just gave it up. And I'm like, what? How? What are you talking about? Like, I'll be right back. I have to go press some kale for some kale. <laughs> <laughs> some kale juice. And I'm like, I'm still on 10 wings a week. <laughs> kale chips. Yeah. Um, can we that talk uh, about the cookbook now? Oh, please. Okay. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so beautiful. Right. We got to see you. it in the flesh. Thank you. Thank you. Are we going to have some dramatic stories before we get to pumpkin muffins or something? Like, Do you guys want me to read a dramatic story? Are they in there? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> Hold please. Be great. The dramatic story, if you're new to this podcast, I I became frustrated a few months ago because we started cooking more at home. And every time I would pull up a recipe, whether it's either in a cookbook or online, you can never just get to like... Uh, you know, like a goat cheese, a spinach stuff ravioli with goat cheese or something. You always have to wake up on a cold winter morning realizing that it's been so long since you've had spinach. It takes and, so long to the ingredient list. Right. You're like, just tell me, do I need a fourth of a cup or. Right. And then, you know, then you have to reminisce about your grandma's neighbor's raviolis <laughs> and how good those were and how if you just had a way to bring. So we, we I made fun of that on the show. And I found out why, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the cookbook publishers who like those stories, right, Laura Lee? Is that what you, oh, you find a good one? I can't even take myself seriously. Oh, she's got one already. Okay. Yeah, you have to, you do have to write a blurb for every single recipe. I have 125 recipes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Honestly, out of 125, how many of them are total BS? Like, they're all BS. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're all BS. Wait a minute. So, but those- that's not mutually exclusive from from their being true. Like, I mean, they're 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 not. I, I didn't true, have but- some like revelatory emotional moment about most of these recipes. You right. know, in hindsight, I can kind of put together like a, a cute story for you and why it might be like special or meaningful to me. So you were never strolling through a park looking at the fresh blooming trees one spring day and thought bone broth. <laughs> <laughs> like that never happened. <laughs> oh my God. Not that in particular. Uh-huh. I would say there's an element of truth, but to all of them for sure. But okay. there, but there's just a lot of fluff. Yeah. There's okay. a lot of fluff. What is, what's the recipe? I don't even know if I could read it. Do you want Jeff to read it and his dramatic Jeff's voice? Jeff's got to read it. Okay. Oh, and then we figured really out once you <laughs> once you explained that it, that it's the publisher who just just doesn't want you know because if it's just the rest if it's just an ingredient list with recipes that's like that's like what your mom has in her yeah. drawer of her kitchen yeah so they want more and then we figured out with the online recipes it's for. They want the views. So you have to scroll down 11 pages. Oh, yeah. I don't do that to people, but yes, there are a lot, there's a lot the of park. that. Okay. I can't. Banana pudding. All right. This is Laura Lee's story about she's actually getting away from the microphone so she doesn't laugh too hard. I'm going to read this because you write this in the first person, so I'm going to put your name in it, okay? All right. Laura Lee honestly thought it was impossible. A healthy banana pudding made with real food ingredients that could truly stand up to its beloved classic counterpart? Laura Lee tried multiple variations, and Laura Lee realized that the key is not 
to incorporate bananas into the actual pudding. Boxed gelatin mixes have all sorts of preservatives and chemicals designed to keep them bright and yellow, but you won't find any of that here. Instead, you'll find a lovely layer of fresh, tender bananas. Creamy vanilla pudding. And an addictive homemade crumble on top. This dish is the opposite of fussy. And it's perfect for casual evenings with friends, summer potlucks, or for loved ones going through a difficult time. If you adore this traditional dessert like Laura Lee does, Laura Lee thinks you will be plum pleased by Laura Lee's. (laughs) (laughs) And the cat's like, yep, that's my mom. I will say the pudding, though, does it look... It looks really good. It looks, does look okay. delicious. I mean, if I... So good. If I was having a casual evening with friends, I would think <laughs> that's what I want. I or, am so glad you'll or, be plum pleased. Or if I had a loved one going through a difficult time, I'd be like, <laughs> I am sorry about grandma. <laughs> here's some banana, here's some banana pudding. But here's some, here's some nanner pudding. <laughs> Oh, I'm this, sure they get a lot worse than that, too. This is such a beautiful book. Um, Thank you. I, have, I bought the first one before I ever met Laura Lee, and I have worn it out. Jeff can attest to this. It is, like, destroyed in our kitchen because I use it so much. We, have so, we have so many cookbooks because we buy them or are given them, I think, with the best of intentions. And I think we have two or three that that are filled with post-it notes and like bookmarks and index cards and yours is one of them. Yeah, That's and cool. this one, I actually already ordered my copy off Amazon and you can Aww, order it. It's a pre-order you. right now. It's called Simply Laura Lee and you can order it on Amazon and it will be, when do they start shipping? Should be April 7th. April 7th. <laughs> you will not regret buying this book. Here's what I love about it. First of all, she's very thorough. So there's a lot of things I find, especially with healthy cookbooks and recipes that I'm like, first of all, I don't know what that is. Second of all, I don't even, can't even attempt to think about where I would find it in the grocery store or why I would want to eat that. And she includes everything. Like she has, she's really good. And I have told you this a ton of times, Laura Lee, but you are gifted with educating the people that follow you on why choices are made the way that they are. And it has taught me an incredible amount of information. Um, she also is really good about, you're not going to buy ingredients with like if there's a weird ingredient, you're not going to only see it one time in the cookbook. Like you'll be able to use it again and again. And that's one thing I really appreciated about the first book, um, is that you don't buy ingredients that you'll use once and then wind up throwing in the trash. Um, cause your ingredients are pretty consistent. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I appreciate that. And, and the best compliment that anyone could give me is that they actually use the book. Like that was my number one fear was that I don't even, you know, if people have criticisms about the content, that's fine. But if people aren't actually using it and making it, um, making food from it, then what's the point? I'm going to start the story, Laura Lee. Oh God. And then you're going to tell me what the food is. Oh Lord. We'll see if you can remember. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Close to my apartment is a rotisserie chicken joint called Smokin' Thighs. On a hot summer day, I love slurping on iced tea and enjoying barbecue chicken tacos with their life-changing what? Potato salad. Yes. <laughs> That's from the best potato salad recipe. <laughs> you don't strike me. You seem to be a little classier than a slurper, but if it's in your book. <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> no. It was a balmy mid-April day in Nashville. And Laura Lee practically squealed 
when she saw the first reasonably priced strawberry of the year. <laughs> I wish I was in that supermarket. What's that girl squealing about? Strawberries. Strawberries. After eating several pints unadorned, I found myself craving a berry breakfast cobbler. I'd actually finished this chapter, but there was one recipe I didn't love. So I threw together the first draft of this cobbler and I knew it would edge out the other recipe. <laughs> I like that because there's aggression. There's a, there's a clear winner and loser. Oh, oh my God. So, oh, is, yeah, so, you so if you're in Nashville and you are at the supermarket and you hear somebody squealing in the corner of Trader Joe's. It's probably Laura Lee. Laura Lee, because the strawberries are now reasonably priced. Slurping and squealing. Yeah, she's slurping and squealing. That's the name of your third cookbook. Laura Lee, slurping and squealing. Uh, you're never inviting us to your house again, are you? I know, you? we're banned. <laughs> Look at your cat doesn't even want anything to do with you. She's oh my God. Iron Man is checked out. Uh, well, thank you for letting can I this say one more thing. And then you, edit. what's that? Can I say one more thing? Yeah. You, you can, can just, you can just interrupt me. I won't even edit it. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say that if you are not familiar with Laura Lee, and I'm assuming that most of you are, if you're listening to this, um, cause I talk about her all the time on Instagram. Um, one thing I love, well, another thing I love about her cookbooks are their traditional recipes with a healthy spin on them and they're true to their words. So, um, I remember the first thing I made and I tricked Jeff into eating them cause he doesn't like black beans, but I made the black bean brownies. He had no idea. So there are little ways to incorporate healthy without feeling like you're restricting yourself or you can't have what you want. And I love that. Thank you. Uh, congratulations. Thank, thank you for you letting so us much. in your house. Oh my God. Thank you guys. I'm such big fans of both of you. I fell in love with Callie a few years ago now. It was this September. It was, I think when we went to vital farms, was it? I think it was the September. Yeah. And it's crazy that we actually haven't seen each other in person, but I feel like we've, become, we talk all the time now. Yeah, so it feels super like close. <laughs> so yeah. And Jeff's been become an online bestie as well. I know, um, that, uh, the Vital Farms trip was was years ago, but it has made me an egg snob. Like yeah, if, I, gosh, if, I, if I ever get eggs that aren't like high end mm -hmm. eggs, I'm like, no, oh, look at the yolk on yeah. that one. Like I, ju like I <laughs> judge do, the yeah, egg. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but if I get a good one, much like you, Laura Lee, when the strawberries are on sale, I squeal <laughs> in my kitchen. <laughs> look at that yolk. <laughs> So uh, it's so true. Yeah, you can't go back. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. Please make sure you've subscribed so you never miss an episode of The Upside. A couple of months ago, a girlfriend was telling me that she found the best bra ever. When I asked her what it was, she said it was third love. She was wearing the 24 seven classic t-shirt bra and told me I had to order one immediately. So I did. I loved it. And now they're an advertiser on our show and I couldn't be happier to talk about this company. Not only do they have bras in over 80 sizes, but if you order your bra and you live in it and you wash it, you wear it, you decide you 
don't like it, you can return it within 60 days and they will give it to another woman in need. It is so upsidey and I love that. Go to thirdlove.com slash upside now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash upside for 15% off today.